0: Welcome to this week's episode number seven of the Visualize You show. I'm joined this week by the wonderful Pascal Fintone, who's going to talk to us about building your reputation online the right way. Now, there was so much amazing content in this episode that I've decided to split it down into two parts and that's because there was just so much value that I wanted you to really be able to absorb, take notes and implement and then come back for more. So in this first part, Pascal discusses how you can use storytelling techniques to build your online reputation. If you're somebody who is creating content day in, day out, maybe you feel like you're on a bit of a hamster wheel that you are constantly chasing your tail of getting new content out there and we tend to focus too much on the technology and the platforms and sometimes actually forget about the customer itself. So Pascal really takes us back to the roots of storytelling and the power of being able to engage and develop your brand so that we can avoid under communication. We also discuss things like attracting people into your business and then using different tiers to interact with them whether that's on your fan page in a facebook community or in a vip setting i spoke in depth with pascal about his passion for film and how he's combined that in his new podcast two geeks and a marketing podcast we talk about actually how combining your passions will allow you to attract the customers that you really want because you have that commonality straight away. Now, because it's my birthday next week, I'm going to be doing a special birthday edition of the Visualize You show. But before then, I'm going to be dropping the second part of this episode. So once you've listened to this episode, be sure to check out part two, where we go into so much more detail in relation to content creation, where we discuss visibility, credibility, and interactivity, and why you're probably doing it in the wrong order. And just a little clue, if you're creating so much content, but you're not seeing increased revenue, you're not seeing increased leads, and you're not seeing increased customers, you probably need to focus on your interactivity. I really hope you enjoy this one. Welcome to the Visualize You podcast. I'm your host, Beth Huey, and each week on the show, we will talk about how you can pivot in your career and create a business that is more in alignment with your true soul's calling. I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already, so you can learn the practical skills that will help you do the same. I'll also deliver training and bring experts onto the show to help you recognize your self-worth, honor your skills, and become confident, feeling ready to pivot, package, promote, and profit from your career and life experiences. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Visualize You. I'm joined today by my good friend Pascal Fintone. Welcome to the show Pascal.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let me introduce you to our listeners. Pascal is a professional trainer and speaker with over 25 years of practical experience in digital marketing. Pascal has worked across diverse industry sectors, developing and implementing audience engagement campaigns. He is also a video producer and he has introduced many storytelling techniques used by filmmakers into his coaching to help his clients create great online reputations. His focus for the last few years has been to coach business owners to take back control of their digital communications and become the most trusted brand in their chosen markets. And today we're going to be talking about (laughs) building your reputation online the right way. So I'm really looking forward to today's episode.
1: Thank you. What an introduction. I can't wait to hear what I have to say with uh, (laughs) your wonderful interviewing techniques and questions.
0: Let's start with what you were doing previously to what you're currently doing today, and then we'll dive right into building your online reputation.
1: Yeah, really, Beth, I started my career in marketing in the early 90s. I was almost wincing when you said over 25 years. I wonder if I should take that out of my bio now because <laughs> I'm going to be as old as the internet very soon. But I, I began really in the travel industry. I was working in London for a tour operator. And a few months in, I was given this project of building a website. Now, I, may, I must take you back to this was 1994, I think. So these were the early days. And I was a bit surprised to be given this project, This at the least. But the reason why I was chosen is because a I was the youngest, and two and to use a computer. I was pretty much, you know, the, the the job spec, and so went ahead and and made this very first website, which was painful as a first project back in the days. We went way over time, way over budget. It was very complicated. And, it, and overall, not very pleasant, I would say. So we, did, we had a first website, wasn't particularly great. Then I was invited to do a second website. And I was thinking, do I really want to do that to myself? Again. <laughs> <Bear> in my <mind laughs> memory of the first one. So I went to see the MD. It was quite a formidable character at the time. And uh, I kind of told him why do you want to do it. And he said, good, so now you know what not to do. Go and, and make this um, second website. And I must say that the second time around, of course, we all knew a lot more. Yeah. And we understood more about how to go about it. And what was fascinating is that we saw real positive result in terms of the bookings of our holidays. Now, um, back then, you couldn't do any do online bookings. It was far too early. But what people could do is go online, discover the destination. They could print the web page and then go to the local trial agent to say, I want to go there, please. And what that taught me is that the reason why we were getting um, bookings wasn't because actually the platform was particularly good, it's because, A, we were one of the firsts to, mm-hmm. to do that in the travel industry, but also I think the manner in which I presented the information was such that it was very compelling. And what that taught me is that when you want to present information, whether it's about yourselves, about a um, a business, a proposition, what you're doing really is making a promise that something in the future is going to go very well. And you better know how to articulate that. Mm -hmm. And I, therefore, always been very grounded in I would say almost traditional forms of communication from the the, the world of print or PR, p r advertising, but then using them uh, via the internet is just gives you that kind of very rapid growth and exposure and, and sometimes the results you get from the web is quite disproportionate to the effort you put in and I become a big fan, so I think from ninety six I chose to specialize in online communication
0: wow, okay, so from When you say somebody's physically printing a document out and then taking that to the travel agents with them, that's (laughs) a massive almost leap of faith that actually what you're saying is correct. Because in terms of like call to actions today, when you're just simply clicking on a button for your next step, you really need to get a lot of different elements of that correct in terms of the marketing and the copy and the psychology behind that as well. So I think we forget a little bit about that. We forget where we are today.
1: The sole business of promoting anything online is seen to be a technical endeavor but i think psychology is far more important Mm -hmm. and a lot of the work that i do with my my customers so just to close on your question so my career then carried on and i moved to different sectors but still did the online stuff but it was 2003 really where i got a phone call to help a business support agency to create courses and and workshops for small business owners because in 2003, from memory, there'd been a recent report from government suggesting that SMEs, as the acronym goes, small, medium-sized enterprises, were missing out on sales, on inquiries, and in fact, on customers, because their online presence was not adequate. And they wanted to kind of try and find ways to simplify and demystify the whole, this whole business of building a brand and building inquiries. And I remember vividly, uh, I got this phone call and at, at the time, I could not understand a word this person was saying because of all <laughs> the public sector kind of jargon and and, and kind of acronyms and, yeah. and so on. But eventually I said, okay, what do you need and, and why are you asking me? And really they said, well, we're asking you because recently you spoke at, uh, at an event and it was so simple and it was so easy to understand what you were talking about that we thought, you know, that was great. And I said, thank you for the compliment, but you realize that I have no choice. If I don't keep things simple in the office, if I don't actually get results quickly, I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. So I think also what has been very grounding for me when I transitioned over to knowledge transfer and business support, Beth, was that I'm still driven by this has to work. Otherwise, ultimately, as a marketing guy, you would just um, be asked to leave because you can't go and see your boss even back in 2003 and say, oh, by the way, I'm going to do this thing called SEO. And if you wait for six months, I think we might get some results. <laughs> you, you can't have that conversation. Not if you yeah. want to keep your job but also get, get the budget. So there has to be some, something very practical and very real about we're doing this, because the the effect is increasing the order book or the inquiry book, mm-hmm. depending on what you're looking at. And I think sometimes what has happened over the years is we've lost our way a bit. We've been so busy to understand the technology and understand how to master the different platforms that we've lost track of the customer. Yeah. And using our real customer service skills and mm-hmm. networking skills and psychology. And we've lost track of sales, I think, on occasion.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I think it it leads really nicely into what we're talking about today in terms of how you were identified as somebody because of your reputation and what they'd seen online, that you could provide a service in a completely different sector. So it just proves how important really that brand and reputation of ourselves as well as the companies that we're we're trying to build.
1: I think so. And and what was interesting is I I was surprised both by the compliment because I assumed that everybody else was doing the same thing as me and clearly they were not. And I think when, because I'm thinking about your audience as well, Beth, when you find your way, when you've cracked the code in your sector and in your kind of discipline, you should really embrace that and cherish it. And find different ways to communicate that through use different means from one to one to many Mm -hmm. online and face to face. So for me, it was a realization that I was doing something very different and very unique. But it wasn't until I was out and I would publicly share it and getting the feedback that that realization set. So the other lesson as well is don't keep it to yourself and find ways to communicate it and share it because that feedback loop is very important. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, as I was, Beth, I was busy working as a full-time employee in the marketing function. I would just go on with it and didn't look up very often.
0: Yeah, and I've had a number of conversations the last couple of weeks of people who are, they're doing their business day in, day out, and actually they're not realizing how amazing they are in their particular sector. So, so for example, they may not share a particular blog post because they Mm. think everybody knows how to do that when clearly Everybody doesn't know that. Actually, those are the kind of bits that light those light bulbs up in other people. So it's interesting to say that as well. It's clearly something that we, we all do as human beings, so we? we? don't play ourselves up.
1: No, and I can't recall who said that, but part of what is happening right now, I would say for the last few years, but I think as we're approaching 2021, if not already, and the next few years, we need all of us to find a way to learn mm-hmm. to, be, to become a biggest fan which I think is a very uh, awkward thing to do because I'm still from a generation where I was, I was taught humility. I was taught you not know, to actually uh, really keep quiet and get on with the work. But I think in the way in which we have to promote ourselves and the way in which people buy, is actually, I would argue, that a customer, particularly for small business owners and those who uh, have an enterprise based on their talent or Mm -hmm. real craft, and that could be intellectual craft as well as a um, a manual physical one, is people become addicted to your own passion. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, if you don't share that passion, then it becomes much harder for customers to then connect with you. And be part of your success journey. That's why small businesses have loyal followers, because those customers want to know and they know that they are part of that business success. And and that becomes something that uh, they embrace as part of their identity, which is why, as you well know, my position, which is that the world of online and the Internet Mm -hmm. is actually the domain of small businesses. The big brands, they usually mess it up.
0: Are you starting or thinking about starting a new WordPress site for your new business and you are not sure which theme to pick for the best? Check out the Brizzy theme. With no coding skills required, no web design experience, the innovative visual builder empowers users to create awesome modern websites. It is so easy to use. It's packed with templates that are fully customizable. You can also create pop-ups and lead capture pages with complete ease. It's amazing. I use it on all of my websites and when it's starting at just $49 for the pro version, what's not to love? Check them out at visualiseyou.com forward slash Brizzy. So me and Pascal know each other from working on particular business support programs in the past. And there's a particular Facebook community where I asked the question this morning, I was going to be speaking to you and did they have any questions? Sarah Smith left a question around that. So as we're growing our businesses, how do we ensure that we've got that integrity That we're not just attracting anybody and everybody, but actually we're targeting the right people and maintaining our reputation as we grow. Because I think you can lose that. When you're a small business, when you first start growing your followers, you can have that really intimate relationship with a smaller group. But then I think as that starts to grow, challenges come with that for all different Mm. reasons, depending on where you are within your business. But how do you maintain that you continue to attract the right level of people for where you are in your business at that time?
1: So, one thing that um, works for me and that's worked for, for my customers, thanks for the question, Sarah, is accepting that because the volume of, of customers and followers and well wishes is going to grow, mm-hmm. the small percentage mm-hmm. of people that are not quite right for you will grow as well. So what you need to prepare for is almost a tier system in terms of your customer service. And that could be before sales customer service as well as after sales customer service. So the very practical example I can give you, Beth, is this idea of somebody starts maybe on social media. Let's use this example because that makes complete sense that someone would do that. It's a wonderful environment for good market research and getting value conversation going. So you may start with a... Facebook page, and you get 10, 20, 50, 100, 200. And then what you'll be able to tell is that on that Facebook page, there's a core of followers that are always on it, you know, as Mm -hmm. in they respond, they they comment, they share, and you can see that almost they are organizing themselves at that unique cohort. Your role, therefore, as the uh, facilitator of that networking environment is to invite them to go into a more of a premium service, which would be a Facebook group that would be an example to go. So not all the Facebook page followers are invited, only those who are deemed to be the, the most active and so on. So they go into right. a Facebook group and they can spend more of your time within the Facebook group. And certainly reports to date and data would suggest that you get more value and potentially mm-hmm. more sales from that. But even within the Facebook group, you're gonna get again a nucleus, of real kind of hardcore of followers. And they then can go into a private VIP room where they get even more of your time and more of your value and so on. So it's about accepting there would be different kind of uh, levels of interaction. It is for you to be attentive and very present, and reward people with uh, different levels of experiences. Uh, think of it taking the best elements of loyalty and reward schemes, and and that kind of things. So the biggest difference is not points are going to make gift or money off uh, products. It's more of your time. Because remember, the reason why you have that core followers is because of you. For me, the the hardest thing that I see my customers having to deal with is when they grow and they build a team. Because you have two tensions. You've got your regulars who only want to deal with you and they don't want to deal with one of your team members, which is just tricky. So I think part of um, the realization for me and my customers is that whilst they are building a business and whilst they are building teams, they still have to make themselves highly available. Mm-hmm. And they have to be the face and the voice of the business. That's not going to go away. But that w- that's my reaction to, to the question, certainly from Yeah, now.
0: that's interesting because I suppose when you get to a certain size and when you do start introducing additional people into your teams, there's that whole culture element of it. So obviously you still want to be remain present, but you almost want to start creating a culture within your own teams that mm. other people will find that reputation is still there.
1: Yeah, and that's when you have to then, um, which you should have done for the get-go, but that's when you have mm-hmm. to have a story and that story becomes the, the thing that people hook on. I know that for a lot of the uh, online businesses, mm-hmm. one of the best source of recruits would be your own customers. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, they've had the pleasure of obviously, the experience of being a customer, they've, they've been probably your best advocate for mm-hmm. months and years. I would not hesitate, actually, within the Facebook group or the VIP room to say to somebody, actually, I've got this vacancy for someone to work in, fill the blank, whichever yeah. function. Any of you know someone or would you even yourself consider it? Because I think at that stage, you're, you're reducing the likelihood of someone who's not a match for for your culture because also the story that you've been sharing and repeating, reinforcing all along. Um, and interestingly, when it comes to story to be the hook around culture, I will say that US companies do it a bit better than most. Even though sometimes the manner in which it's presented to mm-hmm. us is a little uh, kind of sometimes preachy or, or whichever. But you'd be hard pushed not to find a US company who can't tell you their story. So when I work on story storytelling via yeah. video with my customers as part of the the heart of this um, reputation management activity. You want to essentially, again, think of it as storyboarding or scripting it before you find ways to express it. You Mm -hmm. should be able to summarize your story on that piece of paper and go through this. And for me, the story answers four key questions. So question number one is, who do you help? And the who needs to be really well thought out. And you can help more than one customer groups, but those customer groups needs to be spelled out to me. So uh, I'm sure you cover this with your own audience or previous sessions, but to say I help anyone or everybody doesn't work because yeah. what you want to do when you storytell is for the audience to go, oh, they are talking about me or they are talking about someone that I know. And either way, you're going to get a customer or a champion. So who do you help? And you need to be able to describe people where if you invite a theater of the mind, you, yeah. you recognize yourself or someone. Like you. That's question number one. Uh, and you could just use, use bullet points you know, to begin with. The, the next question you need to answer actually very rapidly is why do they need you so can you share with me some anecdotes that shows your customers in a scenario that goes and as a result of which uh, without my help mm-hmm. this is harder without my help this is slow and so on and literally you want to be able to share those anecdotes because those anecdotes is what i will be repeating to my uh, network and for them to go oh that's me So again, people need to recognize themselves or someone that they know within your descriptions. And the storytelling is simpler, but yet harder than it seems. And the reason why it's harder is because all too often people start from the wrong end, which is, let me tell you what I do, and then for you to work out whether or not it's right for you. And I would say you're missing some ingredients in them. So who do you help is important? Why do they need you? Tell me stories anecdotes, and I don't care how many you have. If you have two, you have two. If you have 20, you have 20. But the reason why I want people to listen is because that becomes a um, source of inspiration. Yeah. So when you, whenever you wanna do marketing in future, instead of opening your laptop and thinking, what am I gonna say on Facebook? You go back to your story and go, ah, do you know that anecdote that we made up six months ago about this family struggling with the following? Why don't we explore that further? Why don't we, and that's the, the beauty of storytelling, which is it's inspiration for you, as well as your customers. Question number three. So now that you know who they are and why they, they, they need you, because you've made up stories, but you know, they are uh, real case scenarios. How do you do what you do? It's a clumsily crafted question. But the how do you do what you do is where uh, I become a pest as you doing the workshops because I need lots of details. Mm-hmm. So what people will tend to do, uh, there's two, two forces at hand. One is because that's not that interesting to do. The other thing is also because people have listened to the, uh, I think, intention advice that so you have to keep things succinct on the internet with some truth in that, but not to the point where I don't understand what you do or it becomes enigmatic so how do you do what you do? I, I really uh, force people to give me the before, during, and after stories. So yeah. what do you do for customers before, actually, they even start um, being your customers, whilst they are your customers, and, and after you know they walk into the sunset? And I want people to give me the long list of bullet points about all the things they do for their customers, because one of the biggest, I would say, uh, pitfall and crime when it comes to promoting yourself on the internet is what I call under communication most businesses are guilty of under communicating mm-hmm. the reality is if i met somebody face to face and asked them about their business i would get such a rich experience of information and and passion and, and energy as soon as i go on the internet it's all a bit flat and very samey so what this storytelling exercise of, uh, of preparation really does it makes you reconnect with how special you are and actually how you crack the code, thinking when I list all the things that I do for my customers, this is pretty amazing. Oh, by the way, I only share about 20% of it when I talk to people or when I put something online, whatever. So it's also a very important exercise to go through. And then the final one, the fourth question, which is more in and around uniqueness, is what I call the inspiration. So can you share with me the story of the moment you became who you are today, and whichever. So, in my case, it was that phone call from that person I could not understand in 2003. Yeah. And that story, I share it all the time. And I can see myself back in that office, back to become the phone frowning, thinking ERDF what and ESF the other. And <laughs> Don't mention that word. <laughs> and I couldn't understand a <laughs> word of it. But clearly, they, they saw something in me that I didn't at the time. Mm-hmm. So, if you take the trouble to go through this exercise. You may take a couple of passes. You may do it once Mm -hmm. and then leave it for a few days and go back to it and then you rediscover more. You may want to present it with some of your peers because they'll remember things that you've forgotten. But eventually what you have is the ingredient of the story. And then for you to pick a mix and and do what you want with it from writing blogs to doing a video to being a guest on a podcast, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. But you can't deviate from the story. Well, it would be hard to because obviously you'd be so connected with it. But more importantly, you need to make sure that you cover most of it uh, as often as you can.
0: So much good stuff there, Pascal. I had so many aha <laughs> moments and ideas then. I think w- one of them is actually from selfishly from my point of view, like when I'm interviewing people,
1: uh-huh. those,
0: I do try to ask some of those questions because I think it's really important to know where somebody started out what they do now and and what it is that they they do on behalf of other people. So from an interview point of view, that's a really good way to approach it. One of the things that I wanted to ask you though, do these have to be real life situations? Because I feel they would be more powerful or is it acceptable if you were a large company where it's not a personal transaction relationship where actually you can make a story up that would tick all of those boxes and would translate?
1: Oh, absolutely. So Let's take the example actually of a new company. So you're starting a new mm-hmm. and this exercise is perfect because it will give you the ingredients. So you can essentially use imagination, which is by far the most powerful tool mm-hmm. you have as part of it for marketing. And you can just say imagine situation where, and then you just carry on. So it's not something that you live through yourself. It's not a recent customer and so on, but it is an anecdote that essentially allows you to showcase the qualities that you have as people and of course, the um, properties of your service and product. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. When you do the who do you help, what do they need you, and how do you do what you do, this could be essentially something that is projecting to the future because it doesn't exist yet. You're just starting y- your business. The one that would be real is obviously the inspiration. So, how did it all begin? And you'll notice that uh, at no point am I asking the question, of what do you do? And the reason for that is fascinating is that when someone asks you what do you do and you reply they will remember a thing it's fascinating mm. to observe so even when somebody asks you what do you do you should tell them a story about who you help why you help them and how you help them that's the answer to the question of what do you do um, if you just say oh i do x and then you've learned the the marketing uh, word or you've learned this the, the one-line sales pitch It's got so little uh, element in there to to be memorable that people walk away and would be in no position to actually recommend you and refer you to anyone because there's no story for them to carry. There's no anecdotes.
0: They can't identify with it. Yeah. That's so good,
1: I really like it. So for me, the idea being, when someone asks you, what do you do? Don't give them the answer, they could find a business card. Mm-hmm. A business card is, is a helpful item, but unless you have a conversation, then get a the business card. That business card is of no use to the person who has, who has it. See, if they can see the business card, what they're going to do then is literally go into their memory bank and remember where they bumped into you at the networking event. Now, uh, most likely they would be when they uh, met you on the Zoom call or on the webinars, and kind of things. Uh-huh. But so the business card is just a device for, for memory. And that's why, for example, people who do networking, I would say um, politely the wrong way, when they just dish out business cards. And they're going to go, oh, this networking business malarkey doesn't work. I said, no, because you've done only uh, 10% of the job. 90% was the exchange of information in the, story, in the story form. And the business card is just that way for someone to go, ah, I remember when I met Beth, and, and this is what she said. Now in the position to make the phone call or in the position, or even if someone was to recommend you, and someone says, you know anyone that can do that? So yes, here's the business card. Here's Beth. But they're also going to add supplementary information that you know, obviously they, they, they got from you
0: I love that let's lean into storytelling a bit more because obviously your sure. passion is film <laughs> and I think one of the things so we should say you have another podcast that you currently do <laughs> and uh, do you want to just say what the name of that podcast
1: yes so well, I've got video series so the yep. video series have been my way to get on with making videos because I, I love Video content, mm-hmm. but also I love collaborating. So I'm currently working with Roger Edwards, who's mm-hmm. based in Edinburgh, from Roger Edwards Marketing, and we have a video podcast and audio podcast series called Two Geeks, and a marketing podcast where we essentially and combine popular culture and and marketing advice,
0: which is brilliant. I absolutely. <laughs> love all of it I just love the mixture and my daughter was listening to the other day and she was like oh it's got sections you should do seg- segments in your podcast <laughs> but one of the things that I really love is how you do combine your passion for marketing with your passion for film and I think that's one of the things that I've certainly struggled with in the past is that actually people know know us with different hats on people know us for working in you know, business support sector or maybe in the health sector now or local government in the past for me, but I'm also quite a very spiritual and heart-centered entrepreneur, I would say as well. And I yeah. think sometimes it's difficult when you've got many hats to combine something. So I'd just like to lean into that a little bit in terms sure. of, was that something that came easy to you when you started this podcast? I know that you have brought uh, film and the storytelling into the masterclasses and training that you delivered in the past, but has it always been as easy to do that?
1: not at all uh if anything i worked harder to keep things separate than actually yeah, to that's what them. i
0: did as well which is i think is not necessarily the right thing to do in
1: no it's not and i can't recall now the, the motivation but i think it was probably because i was concerned probably about the reaction from the audience Same. i was probably also wondering whether i wasn't pushing my luck and was essentially wanted to have a cake and eat it which is i'm <laughs> gonna to go to work and i talk about what i love as almost as a hobby and that seems almost like the forbidden thing to do it shouldn't be allowed so my passion for filmmaking started in the early 2000s really and i just got busy doing i would call it fiction work which um was me at weekends evenings and holidays and then during the daytime i was the uh, online marketing guy and consultant eventually And it was until really video content became a topic of conversation. And I could see a lot of Mm. poor advice, I would say, or misleading advice or misinformed bit of, of recommendations. I went, there's two things happening here, on one hand, People are overcomplicating video production, the bit about recording and editing videos. And I think they should learn from the world of indie filmmakers, which is where I belong, where we don't have the best kit ever, we don't have the best times, the best budget, and whatever. And the other thing is happening is that when people actually work, get their head around the, the capturing of video, the way it's structured is actually nowhere near as engaging as a film whether it's a short story of a few minutes or a feature film, because people have not understood the, the story structure. And what I could see was, on one hand, you have filmmakers who had designs to do better online, but they had, didn't know how to do that. And then those who were online had desires to make films, didn't know how to do that. thing. So maybe I could be the glue. So I, I nervously, I did a test where I did the a master class actually at the time i think you were involved mm-hmm. i have the master class and i was very nervous saying well i'm gonna i think it was called something grand video marketing secrets from filmmakers something like this and i thought yeah. I'll do a half a day so if it doesn't work i can't be blamed for for much and the reaction is back to that is once i got the reaction and once the feedback was so positive then it became a day then it became two days and now it's become really part of who I am and -hmm. so on and so forth but back to your question my initial reaction and intention was I would keep that almost like a secret no one will ever find out that I'm doing film and that I know so much about film that literally I'm a kind of walking film archive (laughs) and (laughs) encyclopedia and but and then even with the two gigs and marketing podcast when Roger and I were negotiating with each other the segments and so on and so forth when we got to film and marketing we went "Mm." Are you sure about that? Are you sure the audience is going to actually buy this concept of you and I reviewing a film and talking about the marketing of the film and not go, those two are having far too much fun. <laughs> they should not be allowed on, on a podcast, which is rather silly, isn't it? And and again, the reaction has been such that people say, not only do we, the films you choose, but we, the way which you explore the marketing of that film yeah. uh, and, and works well. So that would say... It's never been an easy. I don't know. Maybe it's an important part of the journey for anyone to go through that small discomfort to realise that actually what you worried about was not particularly well founded.
0: Yeah, I, I was in that discomfort for such a long time, and I think now I suppose just bringing it back to what we're talking about in terms of reputation online what would you say to anybody who maybe does have a passion for something completely different but is trying to build a, a, a business in another particular area
1: two things you, you are in the business of improving someone's situation for, mm-hmm. for the better and by the way the, the request could be a positive one on you know, getting married or it could be a changing one i'm losing sales on something so you're in the business of providing a solution you should take great pleasure in designing a solution that is unique to you because you then would be the best at selling that solution to the other party if for fear of almost if for lack of success or criticism you actually end up replicating what's already out there in the marketplace I can guarantee your marketing will be so much harder for it, just, you know, um, naturally. But also, you're not going to have any fun selling this at all. And so now when I say to people, oh, by the way, I've integrated techniques by filmmakers and documentary makers in my coaching, I say this with a smile because not only do I know that it works because I've had the pleasure of practicing that, but I also know that in a way, if it's not for you, You'll pass, and if it's for you as a customer, you're going to be actually engaged with me with even more gusto because we find a a commonality here. Mm. And and I think for me also, when it comes to the practice of online marketing and reputation management, it is about self-expression. Number one, it took me probably twenty years to discover that, but then one can. And then the other being that so, so if you have the chance to write an article, if you have the chance to put together a visual if you mm-hmm. have the chance to put together a short video, you will, no matter how you try, you will eventually end up by expressing your true self. Even if you try techniques and devices to hold that back, you will fail, you will fail miserably eventually to not do the best video ever because actually you're connected with who you are as an author yeah. and discover your voice in a process. And that's truly liberating. So I would say that I've... The last five years, to me, since the film element is at the centre of my communication, Mm -hmm. have been so much more enjoyable, rewarding. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that the last 20 have not, but I suppose I feel really connected now with who I am as an individual, as a professional, and as a content creator.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where I am now, is that Mm. actually, I just... I'm me. I just need to be me and do that
1: I, I can sense that, certainly, from what I've seen. Uh, I'm too much a delight to, to see you you know, doing not only the, the business, visualise you, but the podcast and so on. And it feels as though, could be wrong, that you're not holding back uh, any longer because mm-hmm. I always knew you as a very good creative writer. I was always impressed by how you come up with titles for your blogs because, well, I should prefer video because it's <laughs> not actually write then. That's much better in my view. But I was, thought, oh yeah, how did she do that? You know, it's really impressive. I always thought that. I always out. And, and the way in which you've been able to now have a vehicle for all that, uh-huh. I, I think again the next few months or few years are going to be a blast for you.
0: And do you know that my English teacher said that one of my essays was horse manure? And for a long time, <laughs> yeah, I thought that I wasn't any good at writing. It wasn't until I was maybe late twenties that I realised actually I've got a talent for that. Mm. And actually copywriting comes naturally in terms of how I communicate, yeah. oh, thank you for that. <laughs> back,
1: to, back to that, uh, if I may uh, allow one indiscretion, I think education needs to do a far better job to encourage creativity because uh-huh. when it comes to people actually joining you know, a, a workplace at some stage, they would be asked to come up with a creative solution to a problem, whether it's a technical problem or if it's a creative problem. But somebody needs to sit down and come up with a, with a better idea than a competition for the next blog, for the next engine, for the next you know, kind of mm-hmm. uh, a package, whatever it might be. If we have people that just repeat what's already out there for fear of criticism, we're not going to move very far as a society. I remember vividly, you know, my essays or whatever you want to call them they were full of red marks and things that were wrong and so on and it's really quite off-putting as opposed to actually yeah you can correct the spelling and the grammar but actually how do we have somebody who is a creative thinker who's trying something a bit different uh-huh. and that trying something different you're going to make or it's not going to work the first time around because when I look at my customers when I help them recruit for example and Because of my work, Beth, I would have someone recruit for the marketing team or the customer service team, you know, is always in and around. And the one reason why somebody gets a job is because they can show us mm-hmm. that they are creative, and not creative to the point where what they do has no merit. It's more this question of how do you deal with this problem creatively? You know, if you get a customer service call and it's off script, what do you do about it? If someone says to you, right, this social media campaign is not working as we thought it might, what are we going to do instead? And the answer is not going to be, we're going to put more money in advertising, or we're going to do the same But more often, it's not going to be the answer you want to hear.
0: All right, my friends, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I have some freebies waiting for you over on my site at visualiseyou.com that are going to help you get started on your career pivot. I'm offering you not one, but two business and career downloadable affirmation audios, a guide to journaling and a ton of affirmation scripts. You can choose what you like or simply devour them all. If you've always wanted to master the art of creative visualization, check out my signature course, The Visualization Vault. It's self-paced, comes with a loving community, and you'll learn how to release resistance and creatively visualize your best life and business. With exercises, affirmations, meditations, and more, head to visualizeyoucom forward slash vault and get the course at my new podcast listener rate. Check out the show notes for all the links. Okay, so that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any aha moments, tag me in your social media stories and please leave me a review on iTunes. It'll really help me out. Until next time, remember to visualize you.